Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman. This week, I thought it's well past time to talk about what's at stake in this election season for women and for sexuality and reproductive health. All we hear about is Trump. And we know that Trump is a sexual predator who would be terrible for our sexual freedoms and reproductive freedoms. But there's a lot more going on this election than stopping Trump, as important as that is. So I invited to join me the wonderful Renee Bracey Sherman, who is a storyteller and an activist and basically like an abortion rights shitster. She's also the senior public affairs manager for the National Network of Abortion Funds and is on the board of NAM. But to be clear, she is here speaking only for herself, not representing any of those orgs. So she's just going to speak freely as Renee. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on and helping us get past the deluge of Trump news to talk about all the other important stuff that's at stake this election. Yeah, I'm super excited because I'm definitely tired of talking about Trump. Oh, my God. I'm so tired of talking about Trump. Maybe we'll make that like the last time we say his name on the show. Let's do it. I'm going to take a page out of Michelle Obama's book and actually just not say his name anymore and just say, you know, the other guy, the opponent, the candidate. Just done. Let's do it. You will not hear his name on this episode anymore. Done. So as is tradition, Renee, on our show, before we get into the meat of our conversation, I've got to put you through your paces with a little lightning round. You ready? Let's do it. What made you the happiest this week? I turned 31. Happy birthday. And my birthday was during the debate, and I was a little bummed about that. But I had some friends over. We had some uh, champagne and sushi. And then a campaign that NARAL Pro-Choice America and I have been leading for eight months actually happened, where we had been asking moderators to ask about abortion. And so they finally did at the debate, and it was wonderful. It was amazing. And you guys have been doing such important work on that for so long, so tirelessly. I I can't believe, honestly, it took this goddamn long, given the number of debates there have been in this cycle. Yeah, we started in the primaries and we finally got it. Thank you, Fox News. Thank you, Chris Wallace. (laughs) Yeah. You take it where you can get it. What is the best sex advice you've ever received? Just be you. There's a lot of pressure to make the other person 
happy. And so you focus on them and you should focus on your partner. Don't get me wrong. But like my sex life changed a lot when I started focusing on my own pleasure and what I want and what makes me happy and just to be free during sex. So I think that was probably the best advice I got. Right on. What's the sexuality related news that's been making you the maddest or saddest lately? Mike fucking Pence ah! is an abomination <laughs> to <laughs> everything sex related, health related. He's awful. And the fact that he's just like pretending that he's not a man who tried to make people have funerals after their abortions and their miscarriages and that he cut funding to health centers in the state of Indiana and caused an HIV outbreak in the state like the man is awful so he every time he's on tv i just want to scream you know he's trying to look like the calm version of the other at the top of the ticket and he's not the top of the ticket has said i will punish people who have abortions and pence is like been there done that he threw two women of color in jail on suspicion of having self-inducing an abortion. And so he is serious business when it comes to restricting access to abortion, um, increasing criminalization. He's just awful. He's a monster. What is the biggest sex myth you ever believed, but you don't anymore? <laughs> it's the one that made it so I became pregnant. And so I didn't have the greatest sex ed in high school. And I talked to my parents a little bit about, about sex, but I turned to my friends and they had told me that um, if you've been on birth control for a long time, it builds up in your system. Ooh. So when I didn't have the $30 to pick up the pill pack, I felt like I was, oh, I'm fine. You know, I've been on it for years. It's not that big a deal. Um, when in actuality, you can get pregnant faster. And so uh, I got pregnant and then had an abortion. So, yeah, folks, uh, it does not build up in your system. No, that's bad information. <laughs> well, you certainly learned that it was a myth. Um, yes. I learned the hard way, but I learned. So now I'm telling everyone. And lastly, who's one of the bravest people that you can think of who's working to unscrew our sexual culture in one way or another? Um, I mean, always Beyonce, but let's go with a different answer for this. <laughs> you know, I think right now I'm super inspired by Lucy Flores. She was a Nevada State Assembly member and she spoke out about not having the greatest sex ed. And that's, you know, why she got pregnant as a teenager and had an abortion um, and has been super unapologetic about her abortion and like fighting for Latinas to have access to healthcare and like be part of the political system. And so I think she's really doing this amazing thing of saying, it's okay to talk about sex and abortion and politics all at once. I've had the pleasure of meeting her several times um, in person and she is a politician that I will follow to the ends of the earth. And, you know, she's the real deal. And she is who I want all politicians to be like, where they're open and honest and unapologetic. So Amazing. We'll check her out. All right. So that's a good transition to talk about our main topic of the day, which is what is at stake on November 8th? <laughs> there's a uh, lot. There's a lot. So where should we, where do you want to start? What's on the top of your mind? 
we already have the top of the tickets for everything covered. Um, I feel like people kind of know where they're at on that. Although I do want to put a little highlighter on the fact that Clinton has come out very strongly against Hyde, which I think is unprecedented mm-hmm. in a presidential candidate, isn't it? It is. Um, and actually, this is the first time ever that the Democratic Party has put repealing the Hyde Amendment in their party platform. Just for your audience so that they know what we're talking about, the Hyde Amendment is a budgetary restriction that prevents federal funds from being used to fund abortions. So anyone who is enrolled in Medicaid, in the military, on the Indian Health Services, any federal employees, Peace Corps volunteers, they cannot use their health insurance to pay for abortions. This disproportionately impacts families with resources, people of color. And I will say one of the things that was really important to me at the debate um, last week when Clinton was talking about later abortions, she specifically mentioned that she was listening to people who've had abortions as to why they choose abortion. And so I think that is kind of the direction that our politicians are going. And they really need to highlight the fact that they are actually listening to their constituents. They are listening to the experts on abortion, which are the people who provide them and the people who have them. Right. I just want to put a highlighter on all of that because it's a bold place for her to be staking out in terms of it shouldn't be like between you, me and the wall and everyone listening. Like it shouldn't fucking be bold. It seems really common sense and basic to me. But in terms of historical precedent for presidential candidates, even on the Democratic side, everyone's been pretty chicken about it. You know, I don't want people to feel like they're just voting against Cheeto on this one. <laughs> like, I think there's when we're talking about sexual and reproductive freedom, like, there's a lot of great reasons to be excited about Clinton. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there are definitely a lot of folks like have their feelings about different policies. Like, I get, I have a few challenges around some of the policies um, for Muslim folks. But I think when it comes to abortion rights, she's definitely out front. And that's important because we need someone who is talking about it openly, unapologetically. And Lord knows I love Obama. I would follow that man to the end of the earth. However, it is so frustrating to me that in eight years he has done nothing to repeal the Hyde Amendment. He often won't even say the word abortion. And so that is, to me, one of the biggest failings of his administration. Yeah, Obama sometimes gets like weirdly paternalistic about sex stuff. Like I remember on Plan B, he he did the sort of as a father of daughters, like bullshit, like... I love Obama, too, but yeah. It's awful when it comes to that. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we talked about the top of the ticket. So what else is going on? Stuff that we should be excited about or stuff that we should be mobilizing about? Let's go with governors. I think folks have heard of Governor McCrory. If you haven't, he's pretty famous for that awful transphobic HB2 bill that denied trans people the ability to use a bathroom that corresponds with their gender identity. He's governor in North Carolina. Yep, he's in North Carolina. And surprise, surprise, he's awful when it comes to abortion. He ran saying that he wouldn't pass any anti-abortion legislation, but then he passed a law requiring patients to send their sonograms to the state health department. It is just awful. Um, Wait, what does that accomplish? No, like literally what did they argue is the purpose of that? Everything is about, you know, making sure that abortion clinics are upholding women's health, except they ignore the biggest part about abortion that 
it is the safest medical procedure out there. The complication rate is 0.05%. Right. Do they want to see my colonoscopy? I, they want to see nothing but your abortion sonogram. <laughs> I'll send them, and, you know, like my dental x-rays if they want. Like, And the point of it is just to shame people for having abortions and just to say that other people know that you're doing this and to watch you. It is a serious violation of privacy and it is awful. So he's up for re-election right now. He is, and he's running against Roy Cooper. And I think I saw in a, uh, a recent poll that, you know, polls are, that um, he's actually losing. Um, so, you know, help out the great folks of North Carolina and lift up Roy Cooper's name just to kind of keep McCrory out of that seat again. Excellent. What else have we got? So Senate, we have some awesome Senate races happening. Start in New Hampshire. You know, I live in Massachusetts, so I'm very well familiar with Kelly Ayotte. Yes. So she's running against uh, Governor Maggie Hassan. Kelly Ayotte is trying to like paint herself as like not super conservative and not against reproductive rights. She's done this like weird dance all season about like her relationship with the top of the GOP ticket. It has not covered her in glory, let me tell you. She's taken like literally every position possible on him at some point or another. Well, she's done that with reproductive rights, too, because she's handing out condoms at her events to say that she's like in support of reproductive rights or she's kind of a moderate support. Right. Um, And she says that she supports over the counter birth control. There's a bill in the Senate. Too bad that bill doesn't require your insurance to pay for it. And what it is, is it's this workaround for the folks who are like, I don't want my insurance money or my tax dollars to pay for your abortions and your birth control, which just makes it more expensive. So it's completely pointless. So making it over the counter mean, right, means that people can't get their insurance to cover it. Yep. Well, in this version of it, there is another version of the bill that would make it over the counter, but also require your insurance to pay for it. So she's handing out condoms at her rallies? She is. Mm-hmm. Are they yes. branded with her name? I that I am not sure of. Like that um, seems like not sexy to me. But, but um <laughs> right. And it's not just voting for Governor Hassan is not just about being against Kelly Ayotte. She's rad. Yeah, she's badass. You know, she signed a law protecting abortion clinics from the daily harassment of the quote unquote sidewalk counselors. Um, who we all know do nothing but shout epithets at patients as they walk in and threaten um, abortion providers as they go to work every single day. And then as state senator, she voted to expand access to emergency contraception. So she's pretty badass. Yeah. All right, New Hampshire, you got your marching orders. Where are we headed next? So we're headed to my home state of Illinois. Um, I just want to do a quick shout out for Tammy Duckworth. I thought you were going to shout out the Cubs, but... Okay, so I'm from the north side, but I'm not... Oh, no! (laughs) Oh, come on! I'm I'm from Boston, but, like, you know, the Cubs. (laughs) This is a historic run. I mean, sure. Oh, man, that's cold. All right, Tammy Duckworth. Tammy Duckworth. So a lot of folks might have heard of her because she served in the Iraq War, and she actually was harmed in an accident in as a paraplegic during the war. And so she speaks out a lot for like veterans' health care rights. She is a woman of color. 
she just had a baby. And so she's like talking a lot about supporting like working moms. So she's pretty badass. It's Barack Obama's old seat, which is being held by a Republican, Mark Kirk. He often is lifted up as like one of the few pro-choice Republicans and that, you know, he's a good Republican because he spoke out early against the top of the Republican ticket. However, do not let that dissuade you from, you know, supporting Tammy Duckworth because he is actually pretty bad on a lot of policies. He's just a regular Republican, to be honest. I feel like one of the things that this election season has done, and the Republican Party has done in general over the last maybe eight years, is sort of shifted the center to the right so that we think like regular garden variety Republicans are just like, oh, they're not too bad, you know, because the extremes have become so much more extreme. And so I think that's really important to pay attention. Like your garden variety Republican was not a friend to sexual and reproductive freedom. Right. And like, he likes to tout that he's like pro-choice and that he's like, oh, well, I support access to birth controls. He likes to paint abortion as this like awful, difficult choice. And it's just so patronizing. And I'm sorry, that's not what pro-choice is. That's not a pro-choice champion to me. I want someone who is going to unapologetically stand up for me and my decision to have had an abortion and, you know, not just say, oh, well, I support it sort of, but not really. Um, And to be honest, I actually think he's only holding that stance because he's in a blue state and he wanted to hold Barack Obama's old seat. So I want personally want that seat to turn blue again. So go Tammy. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Can, I, can we do a tangent since you brought this up? Absolutely. So there's been a lot of discussion about Tim Kaine and his history on abortion rights and Hyde about sort of like, can we trust him? And I'm just wondering how you feel about that. (laughs) I have lots of thoughts. So just a reminder that these opinions are my own. (laughs) I will say that when Tim Kaine was put on the ticket, I was very frustrated because he often... For listeners, if they don't know, he often talks about abortion as saying, you know, he's morally opposed to it. He also paints it as this like difficult decision. But he does say that, you know, he wouldn't stand in the way of someone making that decision and doesn't believe that it's um, a politician's place to stand in the way. However, he did stand in the way as governor in Virginia and, you know, let several policies go through, including one of them that takes money from the license plates, the Choose Life license plates, and puts it in CPCs where they are allowed to lie to people who are seeking abortions. And so that feels really frustrating to me. And so 
I live in DC. I see Virginia license plates all the time. And so that, to me, that legacy lives on that. I feel the stigma of those license plates every single time I'm driving. And I think about him and I will say that people can make an evolution and fix their stances. You know, Clinton did it on when talking about marriage equality. And so I think that Tim Kaine can do it as well, but he has to prove it. At the vice presidential debate, I was extremely impressed with his response to Pence about abortion. And, you know, he kept saying trust women, which was a mantra of Dr. George Tiller, the abortion provider who um, provided later abortions in Kansas and was murdered six years ago in the in his church. And so for him to kind of evoke that and to say, like, look, this is not the place for us to decide. This is for us to trust women to make their own decisions. Pence, don't you trust women? Yeah, I thought it was a really powerful moment. And like, here's my unpopular opinion. I think it's useful to see a guy like that model the fact that you can have a personal religious view and not want to impose it on other people as law. Because so often the only model we see is either I'm completely pro-choice, which of course I am, right? <laughs> like, right. Or my religion says this is bad, therefore I am not, I'm opposed to anyone having the right to it. And I feel like... Was Tim Kaine my dream choice for VP? <laughs> no. But I understand the strategic reasons he was selected. But I also think there is some value to the discourse to having somebody stand up and say, here are my religious views personally. And also, I believe fervently that my religious views shouldn't impact anybody but me. And I trust women. I think it's important. For me, the issue wasn't that he was saying like, oh, you know, it's not for me, but I'm not going to stand in the way. For me, the issue was um, his phrasing of that I'm morally opposed to abortion. That asserts that, one, the moral right is that abortion is wrong. And that maybe he's judging you. Yeah, that it's it's invoking stigma. And that, you know, even though it's kind of like saying like, well, you know, I'll yeah, I'll let you do this thing, but I still think it's a bad idea. Because here's where, to me, it's abortion stigma. When people usually say we're morally opposed to abortion because of our Catholic faith or because of whatever faith, they don't then often say it like, oh, well, I'm morally opposed to, you know, queer folks, but go ahead and get married all you want. They know that that's not appropriate to say now. Um, and so how do we get to that point where... Your personal opinion actually doesn't really matter unless you're getting an abortion. You just say, hey, my personal opinion doesn't matter. But what I do believe is that everyone should be able to make the decision for themselves. And it is not our place to stand in the way, no matter how we personally feel about an abortion. Right on. All right. I gotcha. Cool. So Tammy Duckworth in Illinois. Yep. What's next? Okay. So Katie McGinty in um, Pennsylvania, she's running against Pat Toomey, and she's been unequivocally supportive of abortion rights and birth control. And she's another candidate who NARAL and Planned Parenthood have been super out in support of. One of my other favorites is Kamala Harris. Yes. Her mom is Indian and her dad's Jamaican, so um, she's biracial. Shout out to the biracial folks. And she would actually be the first Indian-American senator and the second, and if she's elected, only black woman senator. How can she be second and only? 
Yes. The first was Carol Mosley Brown, of course, from my home state of Illinois, but that was 15 years ago. So black women haven't had representation in the Senate and Indian folks haven't had any representation in the Senate. She's running against Loretta Sanchez, who you probably saw the video of their debate where she kind of did a dab and she kind of did it poorly in like, I think it was our closing statement. So it was really awkward, but <laughs> I didn't see that, but I'm going to go check it out. We'll put that in the show notes, y'all at uh, JacquelineFreeman.com slash unscrewed. But Kamala is a total badass. And one of her recent repro fights has been where she went after David Delighton, the man who made those fraudulent Planned Parenthood videos. Her office investigated him and seized his apartment and like took all of his video files and computers and all of that stuff because he obtained it illegally. It's just that simple. So she's a badass and she will be a fighter to make sure that, you know, we're able to access abortion and that, you know, anti-abortion forces aren't using, you know, all this like domestic terrorism and fraudulent, as they call it, journalism to investigate our health centers just for providing basic health care. Um, and then the last one is just a, a high five to Patrick Murphy in the Senate. He's running against Marco Rubio. I feel like enough said. And then in Congress, I folks haven't heard um, Pramila Jayapal. Um, she's running for Congress in Washington state. She's a badass community organizer and she's fighting to raise the minimum wage, which is actually really important to reproductive freedom because if folks aren't earning a living wage, they're not able to afford health insurance. They're not able to afford birth control. They're not able to afford pap smears or afford an abortion, which starts at $500. And so this is a reason why the National Network of Abortion Funds, where I work, is taking on issues around economic justice. Yes. Because if people are not earning a living wage, and I'm not talking $7, $8 an hour, I'm talking fighting for 15 and one fair wage, because a lot of tipped workers are still making 2 $3 an hour. Right. Which keeps them enrolled in Medicaid because they can't afford anything else. Also, the history of how that came to pass is super racist. Yes, absolutely. I didn't know this for a long time until Rock United educated me that. That's exactly who I learned this from. Yes. Yeah, it's it comes out of slavery. I had no idea. There's an amazing rock video with Tandy Newton. They kind of talk about the history of tipped wages and how it comes out of slavery. And it's really, really great and why we need to have one fair wage. So I will also link to that in the show notes. Absolutely. So Pramila Jayapal, um, she's also working to make sure that pregnant workers have accommodations at work. And she's been really outspoken fighting back against racist and sex-selective abortion bans, which are targeted at Asian and South Asian women. And they basically say, oh, they're having abortions because they don't want to have girls or other really ridiculous reasons. It forces a doctor to interrogate their patients as to the reasons why they're having an abortion. And if someone misinterprets a comment, like they could deny them an abortion. The very last person I'll highlight is Ilhan Omar. She's running for state representative in Minnesota. I learned about her from my aunt who lives in St. Paul. She's a Somali-American woman, and she's part of the Minnesota Democratic Farm Labor Party. She's a community organizer and a health educator. And if elected, she'd be the first Muslim and Somali-American woman to hold office in the entire United States. Wow. That's horrible. <laughs> I know, right? Here we are. 
2016. But she um, talks about being intersectional and, you know, her immigrant experience versus like those are kind of like, oh, I'm a progressive, but like, let's minimize race. She is like out front with it. Also, I want to shout out a woman that I met a few weeks ago. I was honored to give a speech at NARAL South Dakota's gala. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh, my God. They're doing such amazing work. Like in, in deep red South Dakota, they went door knocking for abortion rights. right? Like, yep. and, and they got 500 signups. Like so amazing. brave. Amazing. And they're working on a ballot question to undo gerrymandering in that state, which would really shift the balance of power of the voters back where it should be and re-enfranchise a lot of folks in Indian country. They're doing amazing work. But I met there Paula Hawks, who's running for Congress for the House of Representatives, pro-choice, pro-woman, like working on equal pay and family leave and all this great stuff, like from deep red South Dakota. So tell your South Dakota friends, Red states are only red until we change them, right? <laughs> like, it's and we tell our friends to run for office. We think of people who run for office as, oh, these, like, career politicians. But a lot of the folks that we talked about today are just regular community organizers who are like, hey. Like, Donna Edwards, I heard that she, as a single mom, was, like, organizing her community around um, a couple of issues. And someone was like, you should run for office. And she was like, nah. But then they told her again, and so she ran. And so that's why she's in Congress now. Yeah, so people might think it's a lost cause, South Dakota, but, like, it's only lost if we give up on it. I, and I want you to take that to, for wh wherever you're at. Look, are there uphill battles? <laughs> like, absolutely are, there are. Are there hostile political environments? For sure. But we've seen a lot of change happen over the last couple of decades. You know, honestly, I don't know that I ever realistically thought I was going to go get to vote for a woman for president, for example. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm I have feelings about that. Uh, <laughs> I'm in my feelings about it, people. So, you know, like, don't assume that it's not worth working on your issues or for your candidates just because it's an uphill climb. You know, sometimes those uphill climbs, you can summit them. I want to talk briefly about Prop 60 in California, which is this bonkers proposition, which would allow any citizen of California to sue for damages if condoms aren't visually present in porn. I know that people, well-meaning people think, well, of course condoms should be required in porn but if you listen to the performers it becomes very clear that it's actually a danger to them because when you start to think about performing sex for work over hours right like if you think of the actual physical requirements of their job condoms can be incredibly abrasive and in fact increase the spread of disease they don't cause that if you're having sex in your bed for 20 minutes, right? Like, but with the amount of use that is required, which is why the industry has come up with lots of other ways to keep themselves safe. So I just want to really encourage people to listen to, on any issue, listen to the people it affects most, right? Like, if you listen to any porn performer, almost any performer in indie feminist porn, they're all going to tell you this is a really damaging and harmful and patronizing and dangerous bill, um, even though it seems like it's from the goodness of your heart. It's in rare bipartisan opposition by both the California Democratic Party and the California Republican Party. 
So I'm just really worried that people are going who don't know about the issue are going to look at it and be like, that makes sense. Right. Like, of course, they should. We should wear condoms. They should wear condoms. And it's just not so. And I also think, you know, if you're worried about porn sending bad messages about condom use, what we need is porn literacy education. We need general media literacy education and we need better sex ed. And as part of both of those, we need porn literacy education so people understand that when they're looking at porn, they're looking at a fantasy, right? And they're looking, you know, people understand the context for what they're looking at. If you're worried about mitigating the damage of seeing so much condomless sex, that is the productive way to go. Yes, what they need. Exactly. Okay. So for folks who maybe didn't hear their state mentioned or even for folks who did, like, what are we supposed to do about all this stuff? Can you break down every listener, at least every listener in the U.S. right now? Like, what should we in practical terms as busy humans be thinking about doing about all this? Absolutely. Well, first, go vote. And if you can, vote early. Really make sure that, as Barack Obama says in his little PSA, make a plan. Look up where your early voting polling place is. And if you can, go vote early. It might take a while. So we want to make sure that everyone gets their vote, gets their vote counted. Um, and if you have time, you can go volunteer on Election Day. Also, if you go vote on Election Day after work, like late in the evening, if you are in line, stay in line. You have the right to vote even if it's after the time, the, the closing time of the polling place. Also, make sure you educate yourself on all the local candidates. I know a lot of people kind of go, okay, well, who's, I know who my representative is, I know who my senator is, but do you know who's on your board of education? A lot of times we don't pay attention to this until, you know, we're parents and we have kids in the school system. And the board of ed is who's controlling your sex ed. Absolutely. While I was in line, I was um, talking to a surrogate for a candidate for the Board of Education. And so I asked him, what is your candidate's stance on sex ed? How does she view, should it be, you know, queer inclusive? Should it include conversations on abortion and birth control? And he actually didn't know. So I made him go back and educate himself. We want to make sure that the folks who are deciding about curriculum are making sure that it talks about consent, that it talks about the realisms when it comes to sexual. Well, and that it's just based in fact. Like, so, you know, oh, like, my goodness. A yeah. bare minimum based in fact. <laughs> and then the last thing you can do is donate. Personally, I kind of hate money and politics, but it is a thing. It happens, right? Money and politics um, is a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> um, and so you can donate to candidates in your local area and in your state and actually also in other states so that they can get their message out there, particularly in um, candidates who are, you know, people of color, women, um, to make sure that they are represented. One of the things that I learned is that you can donate to like NARAL, Pro-Choice America's PAC, and say that the money is for a specific candidate and they'll bundle it with all of the other donors who are giving to that candidate. And personally, I think it's actually important to do stuff like this so that the candidate knows not only is voter Renee giving to them, but I'm giving because I support access to abortion. Oh, I was literally going to ask you, like, you know, I love NARAL, but what is the purpose of me giving a donation to NARAL for a candidate instead of just giving to the candidate? When it comes to the candidate from NARAL, it says, hey, this voter is giving to me because of my stance on reproductive freedom, because they care about abortion access. And she'll be watching me and holding me accountable in office. Very clever. I did not know that. I just learned this recently. It's pretty cool. 
Thank you so much for giving us that little uh, election primer. Renee, where can people find you and follow your work online? They can find me at my website, ReneeBracySherman.com, and on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Twitter at RBracySherman. And obviously you can find, you know, the work that I support, Renee at ProChoiceAmerica.org and for the National Network of Abortion Funds at FundAbortionNow.org. Yeah, and we would love to hear from you on Twitter using the hashtag unscrewed. You can add both of us. I'm at Jacqueline F. on Twitter. You know, what races are you looking at? What ballot questions? Who'd we miss in terms of who has to get defeated or who has to get elected? Uh, Let's raise up those electoral issues right now. We would love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Jacqueline F. You can also find me at my website, which is JacquelineFreeman.com, where you can find show notes and back episodes of this fine show, as well as all the other stuff I do in the world. You can obviously find this show on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. I don't want you to miss out on an episode. I think they are pretty great. Why are in iTunes if you like the show? Give us five stars. Give us a little review. That is how you bump us up in the ratings and how other people find the show. So if you want to spread the good unscrewed word, please, please make me happy. Give us a review. This show is produced and edited by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles. And our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was produced in collaboration with the establishment who also produced the sound cues. Until next week, I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. And don't forget to vote. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 